Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. We are going to finish, again, another one of these amazing books. But I need to remind you what we talked about last week, okay? Solomon is coming to the conclusion of his book, his letter. And what we've discovered is now he comes back towards the end. He's, a, he's old and he revisits, if you will, the four arguments about life worth living. Do you remember what they were? He's going he's gonna to revisit those. And the first one was, is he says, when it comes to life, it's monotonous. That's what he discovered early on. Life, Solomon, it's monotonous. Monot- life is monotonous. And then he, he also discovered, he said, there's the vanity of wisdom. The vanity of wisdom. The meaningless of wisdom. He talks about the wisdom, the wise and the foolish, and they all end up in the same place. And the third thing he wants to, is he talks about the futility of wealth. Of wealth, you know, and and all the things that he did. And of course, he really delved into the certainty of death. The certainty of death. And, and again, if we were to invite early Solomon over for dinner, I think we would all walk away going, I never want to do that again. He was such a Debbie Downer. But now he's kind of coming back, guys, and he's, and he's revisiting these arguments, but he's going to do it a little bit different. And I think it's something, the same thing that happens to you and I. You go, how so? Well, before we met Jesus, we could argue these same points. Life is, life is monotonous, man. Life is kind of, I don't know what it means. I don't know what my plan is. I don't know what my purpose is. You would also see without Jesus the vanity of wisdom. You might be wise, but you're like, what is it for? I don't understand. And you would also see the futility of wealth. Although you wanted wealth and you thought that's what would make you happy, you realized there was the futility in that. And of course... There's a lot of us before Christ who didn't even want to talk about death. We don't want to talk about it. We, we know it's certain, I just don't want to be there when it happens kind of thing. But then what happens is that, is that the scales through the gospel of Jesus Christ, they fell from your eyes and you saw, and then you began to see something different. You began to see life with what we call the sixth sense. The sixth sense. And you go, what was the sixth sense? Well, remember... We talked about this. It's, it was having faith in God. And so if you, if you will, the book of Ecclesiastes could be the very same thing of Solomon illustrating what life before Jesus is like and then now is going to illustrate what life with Jesus is like. And that's the same thing for us. You and I could stand up and give testimony and go, oh, yeah, 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 I remember what I was like without Jesus. I remember I would do this or I thought this way. And then I got saved, and now I remember life is, well, it's different. I'm thinking, and this is what he's doing. He's, he's revisiting those same arguments, but with faith in God. And last week, if you recall, we talked about two of the four pictures that he illustrates with life with Jesus. He, we talked about two of them. Now, labor with me for just a moment, because do you remember the first one? The first one, Solomon said, life is like a treasure. And then he says, we should bury it. I'm just kidding. I want to see if you're paying attention, okay? I just want to see. You're like, wait, that's not what Solomon said. No, 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 no. You know what he said? He actually said, life is an adventure, Do you remember that last week? Life is an adventure, and he wants us to live it by faith, to live it by faith. 
And what he did is he gave us two amazing activities or, 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 or jobs, if you will, um, that illustrate that point. And you go, well, what were they? Well, remember, jot this down. He talked about the merchant, the merchant sending out ships. And he said, send out the ship. You have to, you have to live by faith sending out the ships. He talked about the merchant. And then he says, you know who else has to walk by faith? The farmer. The farmer, he plows the ground and, and, and he's sowing his crop and then he just trusts in God. And he talks about those things. And, and you remember that Solomon gave us these pictures to remind us, again, guys, that life is an adventure and that we have to live this life by faith. This is the word of God, that we need to walk by faith. There's a lot of things in this world that are going to pull our eye gate so we see, so that we would make decisions based on sight, but God is calling us to walk by faith. I walk by faith. So my question to you is, how is your faith? How is your faith? I got good faith. I, I think so. Well, thinking about good faith, I came across a story. I thought it was unusual. Maybe you've heard it, but it goes something like this. There was a man who went to the Grand Canyon, and as he was seeing the majestic views of the Grand Canyon, he kept snapping pictures. It was before the days of cell phones. But he had his little camera, and he kept getting closer and closer and closer, then realizing he was on the edge until he fell. And as he's falling down, the, what happened was miraculously, as he's falling down, he falls off and he tumbles and he gets caught on a limb. He's kind of hanging there on a limb. And so camera goes, everything falls down. He's seeing, man, there's another 100-foot drop. He's hanging down by a limb right here. And what does he do? Well, what would you do? He starts to yell, hey, is there anyone out there? That's what he yells. Hey, right? Is there anyone? And, and then he hears this voice. And the voice says, yes, I'm here. And the voice asks him, how's your faith? The man hanging by the limb says, my faith is great. My faith is really great. And the voice says, wonderful. If your faith is so great, he says, let go of the limb and I'll save you. And so he pauses, pauses, and the next thing you hear is, hey, is there anyone else up there? Because his faith wasn't that strong, was it? You see, faith is a very interesting thing. The Bible tells us that we get faith, how? By being in the word of God, right? We get faith, we get strong in our faith by being in God's word, by reading God's word, by allowing God's word to read us. I'll tell you what diminishes your faith is when you watch the news, when you watch programs, when you watch all these things, that are actually contrary to God's word. You see, it's not a big up in, well, I should, I should be careful. It is all up in your face these days, but it used to be very subtle. Just little subtle hints in the program that you're watching, and it begins to question God's word. In your mind, if you're a Christian, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3, where Eve did the same thing. When Eve was talking to the serpent, what did the serpent do? it began to quite, did God really say? Did God really say? And so we get into these places, guys, where we got to be careful. 
Because what we allow in our hearts, what we're really, even subtly or in our face, we've got to be careful because you know they're contrary to God's word. Case in point, last night I was watching a television show that included, I liked it, it was a, it was a crime, it was, it was about police, it was, I, I liked the, the adventurous type of thing like that, and uh, somehow, it, it somehow got twisted to an LGBTQ uh, program and how all, and it was just, you could see the subtle undertones. So you're, you're lured into the things that you like and enjoy, and then, and then they, sort of, they sort of capture you just a little bit. Well, you go, well, Ben, that doesn't bother me. What, one, one pro- no, 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 but see, it's not one program. It's the programming of everything. Everything. And so what happens after a generation, or two generations, or three? Well, then we're no longer God-fearing Christians who obey the word of God. Who are we, church? We're, we're very passive and very compromising our, our faith in Jesus. And so we have to be careful. You see, what you don't understand, and maybe you do, is the enemy, Satan, is very, very intelligent, and he's been doing the same thing over thousands of years, and it's worked every time. We think we've made improvements with the technology age, with all the information age, but he's taken those very same things, and he's twisted it. So why? So he can get his people deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. So Solomon tells us, guys, man, listen, life is an adventure, live it by faith. But then last week we also said, he also said that life was a gift. Do you remember that? Life is a gift. Enjoy it. And the thing about it is it's been seven days since we actually looked at life and enjoying it. And I can't remember if you all were here or not, but if you weren't here, life is a gift. We need to enjoy it. And that's the hardest thing for us to do, to really enjoy life. To really enjoy life. Because we allow... We allow, we allow things to come in and rob our peace and our joy and our happiness and things. We allow it to come in and rob us. And there are things, honestly, church, there are things that we can control and there are things we can't control, and they still rob us even if we can't control it, even if it's beyond our circumstance. And we allow that. And so we have to go, hmm, hmm. So how do we do? We should enjoy life. We need to take a step back, walk by faith, but let's put everything in perspective. You know, what is perspective? The fact that you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ means that your place in heaven is secure based on what he and who he is, not on what you do or who you are. You go, amen. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. Amen. So, so if heaven is secure, why are, we, why are we striving? Why are we fighting? Why is there drama why do we allow these things to burden our hearts we go heaven is secure he walks with me daily you know the good lord speaks to us through his word the holy spirit in our hearts it's amazing and so he and he reminds us last week life is a gift enjoy it so this is solomon's sixth and final admonition that we accept life as a gift and learn to enjoy all that 
God shares with us. I wonder what type of person you are. What do you mean? Well, for me, I will enjoy life so much better if the sun is shining and it's quite warm outside. It doesn't have to be hot. It just has to be nice. And it's the blue skies, the sun is shining. My disposition is so much better. Now you go, no, 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 pastor, that's boring. I like it today. I like it when there's drizzle. I like it when there's rain. I like it when there's cloud. And I say to you, this is Seattle. This is how it is always over there. But there are people who like this. Now, you might enjoy this weather and be like, no, I love it. But I'm not. Here's the point. The point is, I think that we can, with the right perspective, enjoy every type of weather that God brings us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the moisture. This is amazing. This is wonderful. God, thank you for the sunshine. Why? Because if you live in Texas, it's going to change anyway, is it not? We're the, only, we're the only state that enjoys four seasons in one day. I'm just telling you right now. And so last week, if you recall, we learned in order for us to do this, to enjoy, we have to obey three basic instructions. He told us in verses 7 to 9 last week, rejoice, be joyful. And then he says to remove in verse 10, if you recall. You go, remove? What did he tell us? He's therefore, remove the sorrow from your heart, he said. Remove the sorrow from your heart and put away the evil from your flesh. For your childhood and your youth are vanity. So we have to rejoice in verses 7 to 9 and remove those things from our heart. I don't know how you would do it. You might need to get, you might need to get one-on-one with God and said, Lord, you're going to have to remove these things from my heart. What things, Ben? Well, Solomon says, guys, remember, he says, he says remove the sorrow, the sadness. Lord, I don't need to be sad. I need to love you. Enjoy each other's company. This is what he's saying. And then today he's going to tell us the, the, that we must obey the third instruction. And you go, what that is? And I think that's real important. It's remember. Remember. So you have four R words. You have rejoice, remove, and remember. Remember. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to tell us, and we'll jump in to that in just a second. But I want you to keep this in mind as we make our way through today's lesson. Do you at all recall the pertinent question that people were asking way at the beginning of this book? You go, what was that? Am I satisfied with life? Am I satisfied with life? Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, taught us this very important lesson. Lesson: We can be satisfied in life when we lean and learn three basic principles. You ready? Let me give them to you again. Just since we're closing out the book, this is what we looked at the beginning. Number one, you ready? I will be satisfied. I will be satisfied to the extent that I see everything I have as a gift from God. I will be satisfied to the extent, you want to be really satisfied? Look at everything in your life. You go, well, like what? Well, work. Okay. Wealth. Pleasure. Friends. Even suffering and sickness. Even suffering and sickness. Okay? You will be satisfied with life, your life, to the extent that you look at everything in your life, including ailments, and seeing that that's a gift from God. That's a tough thing to do. But it says that's how you'll be satisfied. Lord, thank you. 
Thank you. Number two, he says, I will be satisfied to the extent that I notice what's going on in the lives of others. In the lives of others. So take your eyes off of yourself and start putting them on other people. Okay? We have to remember that more than 2.6 billion people live on less than $2 a day. $2 a day. Put that in perspective. And what does it do when we, when we well, here's what it does. It, we have to cultivate a satisfied heart by sharing what we have with those in need. And I think it's important to be filled with God's Holy Spirit and ask him at this point, Lord, okay, here's, here's the deal, Lord. I need to know who I can help. I want to be sensitive to that. I want to know what you're doing, and, and, and Lord, how can I, how can I help? Like, like who, who are those in need? And then let God direct you. Let God direct you. And you'll be satisfied. You'll be satisfied. Number three, I will only be satisfied to the extent that I trust God during times of distress. During times of distress. We're only going to be satisfied to the extent of how much we really trust God. And so we really do, church, listen to me, we do have to ask the question over and over and over because we tend to forget, do I really trust God? Do I trust God in this whole, in this whole thing? Do I really trust him? Or do I trust him when I think, man, things are going good, he seems to be going good, this is all right. Do I really trust him? Or is it when the hard times come, the times of distress, do you really trust him? Do you really trust him? I draw your attention and your memory back to Solomon's early question. The one thing that he struggled with was the certainty of death. And I think whether we admit it or not, that's always in the back of our mind. That there is coming a day, if the Lord Jesus doesn't return very soon, that we are going to all face that day. And how we face that day is going to either bring glory to God or not. You go, what do you mean? Well, if we look at everything, even death, as a gift from God, then we're going to go into eternity with honor and glory to him, no matter what. No matter what. We really want to live our lives as believers with no regrets. Not holding on to things in the past, not holding on. We've all made mistakes. Confess those things to the Lord and live a life with your eyes and your heart and, and, and everything that you are focused on him. That's really what it's all about. The sad situation that I've seen among my peers is that there are many, many people around my age group who think that life is still going to continue just as it always has. That there is no, there's no return of the Lord. Their kids are going to grow up. They're going to go to college. They're going to have babies. They're going to get married. They're going to go on. And every one of us who is 50, 40, 30, 20 are going to get old and sit on our front porch and just get old like everyone else. On the contrary, their eyes are not focused on God. Now, the Lord could tarry and, be, and, and spend another 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I highly doubt that, but he could. But I don't want to sit there and live my life selfishly for that. I want to keep my eyes on the Lord and say, okay, Lord, if you do that. So I want to be satisfied to the extent that I trust God in the best of times and in even in the worst of times. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. 
So Solomon, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, teaches us that we can be satisfied as long as we have the right perspective. So I have to ask you, church, are you satisfied with life? Are you satisfied with life? Are you like, all right, because he says if you have that right perspective, yeah, you should be deeply satisfied. You go, what does it mean? Well, listen, God allows both blessings and sufferings to teach us to be completely satisfied in him, in him. Now, when it comes to sufferings, we often do ask for prayer, which we should. Supernaturally, we want people to be healed. We want you to be healed. We want whatever's ailing you to be healed. And the problem is, is that when we become suffering and you say, yeah, things aren't going well, I've got this issue, I've got that issue, please pray for me. I get that throughout, throughout my day, please pray for so-and-so and pray for my sister and so forth. And, and I do pray, and I do pray healing. I'll always pray Isaiah and Matthew. They ask for physical healing. We will always pray for that. Here's the rub. When beautiful, wonderful Christians, fully devoted followers of God, don't get healed then we tend to not be satisfied in God because we asked and we weren't given. Hello? We all well? I guess God, ah, I don't know. Maybe God doesn't heal. And yet, what I'm trying to tell you is that according to Ecclesiastes is sometimes, sometimes, sometimes he uses some of those really deep sufferings in our lives to draw us closer to him. And, and hindsight is twenty twenty because if you look back, you go, oh, I never want to suffer like that again, but I am so glad nobody took that away from me because I'm so much closer to the Lord. You guys tracking with me? Wrap your mind around this scenario for just a second. Wrap, a mind, wrap your mind around the prodigal son. You guys remember the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15? The younger brother was like, I'm going to live the vida loca. Give me my money. I'm out of here. I'm going to go party in Gentile land, which was a no-no for a Jew. So he goes off, right? And what happens? He takes all the money. And man, as long as he was buying, he had friends all over the place, man. It was like, yeah, let's hang out with that dude, man. Yeah, another round on me. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was prostitute and prodigal and everything. Until one day, there was a famine in the land. He had run out of money. Do you guys remember what happened to the younger son? The younger son found himself in a pig pen, lusting and longing to eat the pig food. And what I love about that passage is the Lord begins to speak. The younger boy, you could picture the scene. There he is, and he's going, man, I've blown it, man. And, and the Bible says, and you ready? Nobody gave him anything. And I love that part because I know you guys. I know your hearts. I know if you found someone destitute and in need, you would hand them a $20 bill saying, yes, go eat. Here, make sure you have some food. But nobody did that for a reason. Why? Because if somebody would have went and said, here's, here's 50 bucks, here's 100 bucks, here's my job, let's get you set up, he would have never returned to the Father. You see, but he came to himself in that moment, went, and he turned, he repented, and he came home to his father. 
Well, spiritually speaking, the father illustrated what? It illustrated who God is and that we are to come home to him. So sometimes, and I know it's not a popular message, but sometimes there are sufferings and sicknesses that will draw us as close as we possibly can to the father for a reason. And sometimes when we pray, it's not that God goes, well, you just didn't believe. You just didn't believe enough. You guys didn't have faith enough. It's just going, he goes, Ben, I know you're praying, but I've got a better plan. I've got a bigger plan. And it doesn't include physical healing at this moment. But you keep praying. So we're still trusting the sovereignty of God. In every step of the way, we're still trusting the sovereignty of who God is in our lives. Okay, God, I don't see it, but I'm going to still walk by faith. So as we come to chapter 12, Solomon starts off by reminding us to remember, remember, remember. Now, I've entitled this message to the young and the old, for it seems... We all have a tendency to forget things. Come on, somebody. Come on. It's getting worse as you get older, right? And, and um, I used to pride myself on being able to remember names and people and places and everything. But, oh, yeah, 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 you know. And there are times I'm like, Joe. Oh, Joe, yeah, Joe Mabry, yeah. He's my friend, We're, right? We just forget. It just like it's not there. Some people call it a Diet Coke moment because you've had too many Diet Cokes and your brain is fried, or some people just call it old age. I'm not sure what happens, but we tend to forget. Am I alone? Am I alone? No, you, you, you don't even know you're here. <laughs> I, have no, I don't even get here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we all have a tendency to forget. And so what Solomon does, he gives us uh, two other pictures in life. He says, okay, so life is an adventure. Man, if life is an adventure, live it by faith. And he says, life is a gift. Well, then he's going to say to us, life is also school. Life is school. And he says, it's time to learn your lessons. Now, he doesn't say learn your lesson. Like, you've heard that phrase before, right? Come on, you're going to learn your lesson, right? And usually it was a lesson on the behind that you had to learn. And I, I never, right? You, you, you remember that? If you ever got swatted, well, I never got swatted. Well, maybe if you got swatted, you said, we could do this the hard way or we could do this the easy way. Which one is going to be? And normally, it was hard-headed, so I always got learned the hard way. But nonetheless, I mean, this is what he says. He says, life is a school. Learn your lessons. And then he's going to teach us that life is stewardship. And he says, fear God. Fear God. So that's where we are this evening. Okay, we've talked two last week. We're going to finish up with two this week. Let's look, at, let's look at what he says, life is a school. Picking it up in verse 1 of chapter 12, Solomon writes, he says, Remember, remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Can I get an amen? Yep, I knew it. I knew Brother Joe and Brother Mike would be the ones going, Amen. Yes, yes, because exactly what is he saying? He's saying, he says, man, here's the this. This means more than just think about God. He's not just going, hey, remember God. Think about him every now and then. You know what he's saying? It means, you ready? When he says, remember now your creator, it means to pay attention to, consider with the intentions of obeying. With the intentions of obeying. 
And so what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to remind us, and this is his version of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where, where Matthew writes, but seek ye first the kingdom of God in all its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is what Solomon's saying, Old Testament style. What's he saying? He goes, guys, listen, remember, 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 you have 24-7, 365, of something trying to pull you away from remembering who God is. You go, remembering, yeah, with the intentions to consider with the intentions of obeying. Obeying. Okay, ready for some uh, some toe-stepping? You go, no, it's Wednesday, I don't want my toe stepped on. Well, think about this, guys. If I'm going to remember my Creator with the intent of obeying, I want you to do a little survey in your head. The amount of time you spend with your creator remembering and the amount of time you spend doing other things. And I'm not talking about things that are that going to generate, you know, I'm I'm not talking about I'm talking about meaningless things that have no benefit to you whatsoever. And you're like, "Oh, Is it not true, church? Is it not true? Every one of us in this room can spend three or four hours watching programs on TV and forget, and we can read about 15 minutes of God's Word. Well, that's how I learned, Pastor. That's how I learned. No, 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 no. But, But he's saying to you and I, he says, remember, be in his Word. Why? With the intent of obeying. Why? Because here's why. Listen. He says, he says, notice, he says, do this in the days of your youth. He says, he says, do it now. Seek the Lord. Pursue Jesus. Here's why. Ready? Because there might come a day when you're old and you say, life isn't pleasant anymore. Let me give you the modern day equivalent. Don't get old, my friend. Don't get old. Things happen. Things get, you, you understand that. There used to be a time, guys, in our youth when we jumped up and we were moving and we can do stuff. And then we get old and our bodies, they just don't let us anymore. They don't let us. And I don't care how smart you are and you think, that's not going to happen to me. It happens. It happens. It used to be we can work for 8 to 10, 12 hours at the age of 18, 19, and 20 and still go out, and still have fun, and still, and maybe be a little sore to now, whatever age you are, you get hurt turning in bed. Oh, I hurt my back. Oh, what'd you do? I just rolled over the wrong way. I get it. But what Solomon wants to remind us, regardless of our age, is remember and seek the Lord. Why? 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 Because we know that dark days and difficult days are coming. And so what he wants to remind us is we need to lay a spiritual foundation as early in life as possible. That foundation. If you'll notice, verses 2 through 8, it gives us one of those most imaginative descriptions of old age and death. But I want to remind you, and I want you to write this down somewhere. He says, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. 
and then jump to verse 2. Notice the description, guys. He says, while the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. This is all of reference, guys, to old age. Just about to die. This is what he's saying. He goes, man, when the sun and the light and the moon, they're, ah, this is, this is old. This is getting old. Look at verse 3. He says, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease, because they are few. What's he talking about? He's talking about our teeth. <laughs> when we used to have teeth, they all worked good. He says, because now they don't, they are few. And those that look through the windows grow old. Okay, let's, let's dissect this. Now, you ready? This one, he says, the keepers of the house trembled. You want to know what he's talking about here? He's talking about the arms and the hands trembling. This is what he's saying. He said, when the strong men, what was he talking about when the strong men? When the strong men bound down, what's he talking about? He's talking about your legs and your knees and your shoulders weaken and you sort of walk bent over now. This is Solomon. He sees this. This is wisdom. He says, when your grinders, when you start to lose your teeth, and he says, in the windows, and when your vision begins to deteriorate. This is what he's saying. Now, read it again. Read it again. When the day, when, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down, and the grinder cease, because there are few, and those who look in the windows go, oh, Solomon, okay, what's going on? Notice, he keeps going. When the doors are shut, verse 4, in the streets, and the sound of the grinding is low. When one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of music are brought low. Notice what he says. He says, when the doors, what's he talking about there? He's talking about when you close your mouth because you have no teeth. He's talking about, and you guys know this, as much as, as, as well as you take care of your teeth and, and floss and go to the dentist, eventually, because you've been living so long, they're just, yeah. And he says, and, and there's going to come a time Hopefully not. When you're grinding, the sound of grinding is low. It means you can't chew your food. You can't chew your food. And not only that, but he says this, when one rises up, when you wake up with the birds early each morning and wish you could sleep longer. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. What time do you get up? Oh, four. Why are you up at four? Because I can't sleep anymore. It's true. It is true. And he says this. I mean, this is just the most descriptive thing. When one rises up at the sound of the birds and all the daughters of music are brought low. What's he saying there? When your voice starts to quiver and weaken. When it used to be strong and sturdy and now it's... I'm sorry, what? Excuse me, what? <clears throat> Solomon, what are you, what are you doing? Well, he's going to talk he's, he's going to talk some more. Look, verse 5. Also, they are afraid of heights and the terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, ooh, and the grasshopper is a burden, and desire fails, and a man goes to his eternal home, and the mourner goes about the street. Now, what was the key? What did he tell us in verse 1? He said, guys, remember the Lord. Remember, have your foundations at night. Why? 
because, because, because all of a sudden, they, you and I, are afraid of the heights, right? What does that mean? He says, when you and I are afraid of falling down. Falling down. Guys, it was, it was almost well over, oh man, 10, 11 years ago, I got the phone call. It was on Memorial Day. Hey, Ben, you need to get here. You, my dad just fell. Oh, he fell? Yeah, he fell straight down. No, my dad was on oxygen. It probably dropped, and he fell straight down. Finished Sunday service, drove out there on Sunday afternoon. It was Memorial Day, thinking it'd be a couple of days. He'd be back on his feet, or at least at home. In the next week, we were burying him. And that's what a fall can do, guys, when you're weak and, and everything. This is what he's saying. He's saying we have to be careful. You need, you're afraid of hauling. And he says, and he says, and the tares, no, notice, are in the way, and we're scared. And he says, and when the almond tree blossoms, and he says this, if you have any hair left, it turns white and then falls off. Can you imagine? Do you remember looking in the mirror at first, and then you're like, I see one gray hair. And what did they used to tell you? Don't pull it. Don't pull your gray hair, because if you do, several more are going to come back. And you went, because you didn't want a gray hair. And now all of a sudden, I look in the mirror, I'm just like, what? What in the world? Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about the grasshopper is a burden. What's he talking about that? You ready? He's talking about movement. Movement. You drag yourself like a grasshopper at the close of summer. We used to have a pep in our step, and now we sort of just shuffle. And this is why, quite honestly, you need to remove the rugs from your house if you're an elderly because we shuffle, and that's what tends to get, we get caught up in that. You have to be careful. This is, this is, this is wisdom from the Word of God. And then he says this. This is something interesting. And he says, and desire fails. You go, Ben, what's he talking about? You ready? He says, this is sexual desire. That, that's not even on the radar anymore. That's not even on the radar anymore. And I find this interesting that Solomon lists everything, then right before death, he says, oh yeah, you lose your sexual desire. This is right before death. And then he tells us, for a man goes to his, what, eternal home. What's he talking about? He says, then you're going to go to your eternal home. He says, and people will mourn your death. He's very real with us because he made such a great statement early on. He says, remember, remember the Lord with the intent of obeying and, and really getting to know God, really walking with him. And quite honestly, if I can admonish you and admonish me this evening, oh, how we need to be more in tune with God than ever before. Oh, sure, in Ecclesiastes, he's talking about, yes, because there's a day you're going to get old and die. We get that. But even if you're young, oh, to have that foundation, to have the foundation. See, what I find very interesting, to be honest with you, is the Bible says that as you get older in Christ, you should be even more seasoned with grace. More seasoned with grace. There should not be a grumpy old Christian. A grumpy old man. You can't stay off my lawn. That should not be us because we have been so 
in tune with God's grace, so entwined with God's grace, that, man, we're just, we're just full of just grace and wisdom. And you just, ah, oh. ah. Oh. Note verse 6 and 7. He says, remember, there it is again, your creator before the silver cord is loose or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the, fount- at the fountain, or when the, bi- the, the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. What's he saying? Another strong admission, church, to, to remember. What's he talking about? The silver cord is loose? It's your spinal cord. It's your spinal cord. When your back just... And when he talks about the golden bowl, what's he talking about? He's talking about your head. He says, or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher. The pitcher, notice what he says. The pitcher is shattered. Do you know what he's talking about? You ready? Joe, drop this down. He's talking about your heart. This is when our heart just stops. And he says, too, I mean, this is amazing. And he says, the wheel broken, the wheel at the well is broken. What's he talking about? He's talking about your circular system. He just stops. It's old. It's old. Verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. The soul unconsciously goes either to joy or torment and sleeps not as the wicked imagine. Notice he says, to God who gave it, it returns to its creator that the deeds done in the body may be brought to judgment. We're going to see that in Ecclesiastes 12.14. He says, thus the preacher teaches the conscious existence of the spirit after death as the subject of rewards and penalties. You go, Ben, your attention, please. Solomon is not saying that no matter who you are, when you die, your spirit and your soul is going to go back to heaven. He's not teaching that to us. He's saying, listen, eventually what happens is that we're going to get old. We're going to take our final breath, and here's what I want you to see. Whenever a little baby is born, what happens? It comes out, and the first thing it does is it, what? It inhales. (gasps) It inhales. That's That's life. You can see it. And what's the last thing you do when you take your final breath on earth? You exhale. (gasps) And he says, your soul, man, where are you going to spend eternity? He says, you're going to go to your eternal home. Eternal home. Heaven? Hell? Hell? Separated from God? See, I have too many friends who are not followers of Jesus. And it breaks my heart. Because although we're friends, this is the Word of God, guys. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And we can't have people to go, hey, um, man, 
me and God, we've got a plan together. We've got, one, we've got something worked out, him and I. Don't worry about me, I'm good. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Notice verse 8 with me, guys. He says, vanities of vanities, says the preacher. He says, all is vanity. All is vanity. Solomon, being the wisest man apart from Christ, gets to the point in his life where he is seeing death, and he's going, look, this is what, this is what I see happening, man. You lose your teeth. You lose your hair. You, you're not strong enough. Your arms shake. Your legs shake. You walk hunched over. Your back gives out. Guys, listen, you, you, you fall down, you hurt your head, I mean, your heart stops. Oh, it's really meaningless. It's really meaningless. So what should we do? Well, let's learn the lesson. Let's learn the lesson. And someone once said that life is like a school, except sometimes you don't know what lessons, um, what the lessons are until you failed the examination. Well, God teaches primarily from his word, but he also teaches us through creation and history and various experiences in life. So let's learn the lesson. How so? Verse 9. Let's see what he says. And moreover, because the preacher, this is Solomon, was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Many proverbs. Look at verse 9. He says, moreover, because the preacher was wise, Solomon, the wisest man in the world at this time. Well, what did he do? Well, he what? He set in order. He goes, after studying the matter, he weighed his conclusions very carefully. He looked at stuff. I think if you were to have a conversation with Solomon, he wouldn't answer you right away. You might ask him a pertinent question and he might ponder it for just a moment as he weighed out the options in his life and then he'd give you one answer that would blow you away. And I think, honestly, I think Jesus was the same way. When, you were, when people and the disciples were walking with Jesus, if you went up to Yahshua and, and you were to ask him a question about eternal life and so forth, I think Jesus thought about it and he was such wisdom came from him that, that it just blew the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees away. It's like, man, how, how could this guy have so much wisdom? He weighed things out. And he says this in verse 10. And the preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright words in the truth. You know what he says? He says he wrote the truth. I love the fact that Solomon did tell the truth. And he told us the truth, guys. He told us the truth, both, listen to me, in blessings and in suffering. Solomon, if you, if, if, if they call him the preacher, but I'm not sure how many people would go to Solomon's church today. I'm not sure how many would attend that because he tells you the truth. He says, hey, listen, y'all are going to get old and die. And it's not going to be, you know, I mean, he's just telling the truth, but he tells us in a way to where we, we remember who our creator is. We remember where we put our faith and trust, not in us, not in our accomplishments or our abilities. Could you imagine if you were trying to merit heaven based on your works, but then you got up to be 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, and you couldn't do the works that you used to do, and now you're sitting there going, man, I really hope what I did was enough to get me to heaven. 
But now I have a hard time walking from my recliner into the kitchen. I have a hard time just, you understand the irony in that, because it's like, I can't, God, I can't, there's, what if I blow it just now? And so, and so he, he's telling us the truth. He's telling us where to place our faith and trust. It's in Jesus. Look at verse 11 with me, guys. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. I just love this. Notice what he says. The words of the wise. You know what you can write down here? They're inspired. How so? Well, Solomon claimed that his words were inspired. How? They were given by God. And we know this true. Why? Because in Timothy, it says all things, right, were written, right, from the breath of God, inspired by God. God breathed. And so Ecclesiastes is part of that. But notice, he says, the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails. Sometimes, guys, the truth really hurts. But I'd rather know the truth. I'd rather know the truth and live this way than to have a pastor or a preacher or a priest or anyone, any spiritual leader, lead me astray by false words. The word of God is God-breathed. It's all about God. I would admonish us, I would encourage us to be in the word of God, to study the word of God, to know the word of God, but much more than that, to obey the word of God. Obedience shows such honor to God. Look at verse 12 with me in your Bibles. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. What is he saying? He says, listen, 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 my son. He said, be admonished by what I just told you. Take that to heart. He says, man, you could read all kinds of books, and you might be wearisome in the flesh, but it's not until you obey it's not until you really internalize the precepts and, and the word of God that's going to change your life. That's going to change your life. Why? Because life is like a school. He said, let's learn the lessons. Let's learn the lessons. He also says in the last two verses here, guys, he says, life is stewardship. Let's fear God. Look at verse 13. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You ready? Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. Now, it took Solomon 12 chapters of experiments and craziness and all of these things to really come to this conclusion. He was like, man, life is a bummer. Life is monotonous. I don't understand life. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to party like I never partied before and see if that brings satisfaction all the while keeping his wits about him. He says, no, that doesn't do it. That isn't, a party scene doesn't do it, man. We, we, we ate like we never ate before, and it was just like, bleh. 
I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to build something. I'm going to try to build. And he, and, he, and he goes through all of these things. And it took my boy Solomon 12 chapters to come to this verse where he tells us, let's hear the conclusion. You ready? Here's what I found out. He says, fear God and be obedient. This is, this is what life's all about. Fear God and be obedient. Right? Ecclesiastes ends where the book of Proverbs begins. What is it? With the admonition to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord. You go, okay, Ben, I got a question. Time out, time out. What, is, what does it really mean to, to fear the Lord? Okay, ready? This is an attitude of reverence and awe that people show him and respect his power and his greatness. This is what's key. Why? Because we don't say, oh, yeah, I'm talking to the men upstairs. The men upstairs, what, you renting a... No, 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 that's not showing reverence and respect. We fear God for who he is. This is why it's offensive to us when they use God's name in vain. When they use, when they use his name to damn things, that's not who God is. This is why it offends us. No, 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 no. Don't say GD. That's wrong. God is not, and we go on. Why? Because think about this, guys. It's an attitude of reverence. This is who God, man, I respect and honor who God is. I'm obedient to who God is. This is who I love. Yeah, man, but you're under grace. You can still do what you want. No, 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 no. Listen, I am under grace, and all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm under grace, but I still have the attitude of reverence and awe towards God and respect for his great power. I'll never forget that the first time I ever saw the ocean. And I sat there in awe and just wept because God tells the ocean where to stop. And it's, and it's, it's massive. You just look at it and it's just water. It's like, we could be dead in a sec. One, a and God says, no, 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 you'll only go this far. And he's got creatures and creation and all kinds of stuff inside that ocean. And, and, and I just see the power of God. You see the power of God in mountains. And you're just like, wow. Wow. I like what Oswald uh, Chambers once said, quote, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. End quote. Isn't that a great quote? When you fear God, you don't fear anything else. You don't fear men, you don't fear, right? Remember that whole slogan, no fear? That's really us when we fear God. But he also says, if you don't fear God, you're going to fear everything else. You're going to fear everything else. The prophet Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 8.13. He said, the Lord of hosts, him shall you hollow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Now, remember, God is not saying that you walk around afraid of him. Sorry, God. Sorry. 
sorry, I won't breathe, I won't blink, sorry. That's not what God says. It's not being afraid of God. Make sure you, you, you understand the fear of God is the respect and the honor. It's the fear of God. In the New Living Translation, it actually says like this, Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He's the one you should fear. He's the one you should make. He's the one should make you tremble. Make you tremble. So God is so amazing and so grace and so I mean, but but I but how do we approach him? How do we approach him each and every day of our lives? Do we come with fear and trembling? This is God. Yo, what up, homie? I'm here, God. Do we, I mean, just that's disrespect. He's, he's God. God. So what should we do? Well, the first thing he says, man, is fear God. But he also says keep his commandments. Do you guys see that? To fear the Lord must result, how? In obedient living. Otherwise, that fear is only a sham. The dedicated believer will want to spend time daily in the Word of God, getting to know the Father better and discovering His will. His will. It's a funny story. It was on college, college group on Sunday night that we had a talk, and it was specifically to the group that was there, but we asked them, I said, hey, listen, every one of them in that group on college night were single. They were all single. And so I told them, I said, hey, when you find your significant other, when you find that one, you know all about them. You know the color of their eyes. You know their facial expressions. You know what they're thinking without just by looking at them. You don't have to hear a single word. Why? Because you've studied them. You've walked with them. You've talked with them. You know the tonality of their voice. You know all about that, but, but this, is, this is somebody here on earth. This is somebody you're going to spend your life with. This is your significant other. This is the one God brought you. And I challenge them to do that with God. Being in his word, knowing his voice, understand, Lord, what are you, what are you like? What's going on? I'm, man, I just want to, oh, I just want to know you. I want to know your will. I want to know you're walking with me. You're walking before me. You're walking beside me. I want to know that my life matters for your glory, not for me. I don't care if anybody knows Ben Martinez's name, I don't, but I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know that there's hope in you, Lord. And if you'll use a nobody like me, <laughs> wow, far out, God, let's go. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. But let me admonish you and step on our toes once again. The amount of time we spend on social media, the amount of time we spend on TV, the amount of time we spend in movies, the amount of time we spend, it should not be 90 to 10% on the Word of God. We should make a genuine effort to go, Lord, I, 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 in and of those things, those things aren't bad. I, I do them because this is the culture we live in but I don't want them to replace the time that I should be spending with you. I have to have that designated time. And if Solomon said that as you get older, you, you get up earlier, then that should be the time you're in the Word of God. Hours upon hours 
upon hours upon hours. How cool is that? He says, why? For this is man's all. You know what that means? This is the end of man, and this is his purpose in life. You ready? You want to know what your purpose is? You want to know what God's will is for your life? Fear the Lord and obey his commandments. Fear the Lord and obey who he is. Fear the Lord, show awe, just respect. Awe. Look at verse 14 with me. For God will bring every work into, notice, judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What's he saying here? Man, this is deep because he says, because God's going to prepare for that final judgment, that final judgment. Okay? God will bring every work into judgment. And this is what's scary, including every secret thing. Now, this is way before Jesus came on the scene. And so, hence, that final judgment the Lord took already. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Listen, as we close, let's close our Bible study with this. God will bring all things into judgment. You go, yes, sir. Man may seem to get away with sin, but their sins will eventually be exposed and judged righteously. Those who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, let's be honest, will be lost forever. A day is coming where you and I will be judged, not for salvation, but think about it. He's going to ask you at this point, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? And if you have, that judgment has been absorbed by Jesus on the cross. Now, if you're here, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you've never put your faith in Jesus, your life is truly transformed. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. The eternity of punishment is a thought which crushes the heart. The Lord God is slow to anger, but when he is once aroused to it, he will be against those who finally reject his son. He will put forth all his omnipotence to crush his enemies, end quote. You remember that question, is life worth living? The answer is yes, totally yes, if you are truly alive through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you can be satisfied no matter what God may permit to come into your life. I like the way John says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Amen. Father, tonight we thank you for the conclusion, Lord, of the book of Ecclesiastes. We thank you. Lord, tonight we learned that life is a school. Help us learn our lesson to remember you always. And that, Lord, that life, life is also stewardship and that we're supposed to fear you. This is the conclusion of it all. Fear God and keep His commandments. So tonight, we purpose in our hearts to do that. 100% toward you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.